I'm Alex Del Sordo with the Rowers Choice Network, and this is episode four, season three of podcasts. And it always blows my mind when I say that because I can't believe how many we've done. We're traveling across the states, all the way over to California for a guy that needs no major introduction. This is Jack Nunn. This guy has been a rowing staple. He is an Ironman athlete, and he's he's part of the Rowers Choice family. And I'm excited to talk about his trajectory in rowing, where he took his life, and what he's doing today. So, Jack, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, this is an honor to. I know we talked a lot about being on the show for a while, so it's cool to finally be here and uh, and a part of this group. Uh, honored that uh, you guys reached out. I, you know, I rode with Wallen, uh, Mike Wallen, and uh, so we have that connection. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's it's great to be here. So, so Jack, I do every. I've interviewed non-rowers, okay, but every rower asks the same question. Where were you? What year was it when you picked up an oar and started rowing? <laughs> well, for me, uh, a lot of people actually, uh, not to really dive into it, but I have to, um, but uh, a lot of people know me because of my father. So when they hear my name, they're like, John? And I'm like, no, it's Jack. It's, you know, so I have to, I, I, I've been living in that shadow my, my whole life. Uh, Maybe some of you don't know, uh, maybe you do. Uh, my father, John Nunn, um, is kind of a, a big deal. Uh, he, I, I joke with him after every Olympics that goes by uh, for the United States because he becomes more famous as more years go by because he is one of the few uh, Olympic medalists in sculling and US rowing uh, on the men's side. The women's side are killing it. Uh, they're doing so well. Uh, but the men's side, uh, we just haven't had that, um, you know, just, it, it's just different. We, we pick up sweep. I mean, we start with sculling, then we go sweep, then we go back to sculling or sort of. And so anyway, but my dad won a, a bronze medal in 68 um, for the U.S. team in the double with his uh, partner, Bill Maher. And then he become, became the um, uh, Olympic sculling coach in 1976. He coached that quad uh, that year to a fifth place finish, which is one of the best finishes the U.S. has done um, also uh, recently, um, well, within the last 30, 40 years, if you look back. So growing up, uh, it was kind of destined. You know, I, I was picking up oars, uh, rowing with my dad reluctantly. I didn't really like it at first. Um, <laughs> down in Long Beach, he would bribe me uh, by saying, um, uh, we're going to go to Tommy's Burgers. So he bribed me with food to go to get down there, you know, like chili burgers, cheeseburgers. Uh, no joke. Like when I was five years old, I think I went out with him uh, 10 years old. I think he was trying to kind of, you know, not push it, but introduce me to the sport. Um, cause let's let's be honest. I mean, not many people row out here in California. It's not a huge deal. Um, it's, it's not a lot of scholarship. There's not a huge opportunity. Now it's becoming bigger for women's sports, especially, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, I was kind of dabbling into it, rowing a little bit. I think my first, I remember being like 12 or 13 and kind of getting this, like, like competitiveness starting to go in, you know, uh, with sports because I was doing soccer, baseball ice hockey actually I grew up playing hockey uh out of all things a lot of people don't know that I started skating when I was five loved playing ice hockey uh started playing when I was eight uh played through high school played in college actually I got in trouble for that that's a whole other story um but uh anyway so uh I picked up ice hockey and, and fell in love with that sport Wayne Gretzky of course came to LA so it was a huge thing in the 90s um so that was my first kind of love for sport. I mean, I love baseball and stuff like that. But when I picked up rowing, it was, um, I would say 13, 14 is when I got on the machine. And my dad was like, uh, yeah, there's like some online stuff, like the logbook on Concept 2. You can go on there. And, and back then, this was the early 90s. They still had that. They had competition. You could log in your score. So I'd rip a 2K. And I'd be like, let's see where I'm at. And I was like, I think I was like, I don't know. Um, you know 40th or something like that or you know i was like huh you know i'm not too far off so and then really when it came to um i actually came home one day to make a long story short came home one day uh play was playing soccer baseball i quit both sports both my coaches were were not great i just didn't like it anymore 
burned out, whatever you want to call it. Remember exactly where it was. I remember the exact time it was in, in my, uh, in my kitchen uh, or in our, in our kitchen. And my dad was sitting on the living room or on the kitchen table. And I just told him, I go, Hey, listen, I, I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm quitting soccer, baseball. I'm done. And my dad looks at me and he goes, okay, uh, well, and this was midway through my junior year. So I would say like November, December. So right before break, my junior year, 1996, 95, 96 is when I started rowing. So he said, uh, okay, you either get a job or you do something else. You find something else to do. And I go, uh, well, ah, you know, I don't want to work. And, and I go, what about that rowing thing? And he goes, <laughs> He didn't even say anything. He just freaking jumped out. He like he launched himself out of the chair, ran upstairs, called the coach, and I was there the next day. And okay, hold on. So let's let's let me let me let me dive into this really quick. All right. So <laughs> you had you had arguably one of the most successful sculling rowers in the United States, right? In your living room every day, every night, right? As a father, he wasn't he wasn't pushing you to do rowing, right? He would he would say, "Hey, let's go get some burgers, let's go get some chili dogs." You could hop in a boat. You kind of dabbled, and then what's really cool about it is like he let you sort of find it yourself. So then, over the course of by the time you're 13 to the time you're a junior in high school is what you're saying. So like junior in high school, 1995, 96, it it hits you like a ton of bricks, right? Can you can you bring us a little bit more of that? of that energy and mental focus that happened to you at that time? Like, why did you make that decision? What was it about soccer and baseball and the future of your sport that made you say, dad, I'm going rowing? Oh yeah, I mean, that was a big deal. I mean, I'm getting the chills just thinking about it right now because that set the that set the whole precedent of the rest of my life, essentially. I mean, right. that choice, and I knew that was a big deal because I grew up, you know, wanting to, I, I loved hockey, but I knew it wasn't, I was only playing like once or twice a week. We just didn't have ice time. I mean, it's crisis here in LA. You know, we just, we had, we had with like leaky roofs that we play with cones on the ice, you know, and like chain link fences. I mean, we just, there, there was no infrastructure for that. So I knew that, Hey, that's not probably going to be a, like a, even a college thing or whatever, but baseball, soccer i was like yeah baseball was my thing like i really loved it i was good at it when i was younger um i was like all-star whatever went into high school though and high school changed you know it, you know when you get to the higher levels the coaches get more serious um you know my dad coached me and 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 soccer and baseball as well and actually i hockey he coached everything he's always around um and you know i i tell him i tell my dad about certain things that my coaches would tell me and he's like like half of it was b he's like that's bs you know and i i'm not even a like a soccer or baseball player but i know that that's not bs like so it got more bs as as things moved on the coaches uh, would bench me uh, for no reason you know this happens right and in, in in high school so i just had i was fed up with it i just didn't like my coaches um you know i was at a small private catholic school in mary uh, in san pedro it was just like i don't what know I, what was the what was the team that you what was the high school that you went to oh mary it's called mary star um it's bigger now they they, they changed their campus but our graduating class was 74 people <laughs> so you had a rowing program like you could sign up for a rowing program down there they didn't have a rowing program so long so the way it works in in la california we have um well not California because Northern California has like say Ignatius Oakland Strokes yeah Oakland Strokes is a pool of athletes that I believe comes out of different teams from high schools Long Beach Rowing Association Long Beach Junior started in 1986 and they pool athletes from around Southern California from mainly Wilson High Pauly uh, local Long Beach uh, high schools and then they pull a little bit from peninsula now peninsula pv palos Verdes, and then also uh mary star san pedro uh that's a little bit closer uh you could either go mac uh, uh which is in marina del rey they have a rowing uh, center there and that's la you know unified so it's clubs here in la uh and newport pulls from Newport Aquatic Center, NAC, they, they have a good program. They pull from uh, different schools in Newport. So you can kind of choose. So, it, so, like, so I'm just trying to like visualize this. Like, 
you go, yeah. dad, I'm fed up with baseball. I'm not getting where I want to be. The, the coaches is like, sometimes what they say is bullshit. And sometimes they say like, I just don't jive with it. So like as a 16 year old boy, you realize you're not going to be, you're not doing that for the future. So you say, Hey, I'm rowing. Where did you row? It was it Long Beach rowing juniors. Is that where you yeah. jumped into? Yeah. LBJC Long Beach junior crew. So I All jumped right, in. You, you jumped crew. in there, right? You jump in yeah. here and you're, you know, you're, you've got the erg thing going 1996 and rowing in 1996 was like a weird era, right. For, for, for high school and junior rowing. So yeah. I'm thinking like East coast, the best teams were like Dave Funk and Ashton Funk. These guys are like these guys that I grew up with um, McDevitt. They were like men among boys and Atlantic city high school was like the, they were, they were the best team in the country for scholastic it was like a bunch of guys that failed at football that got into rowing. So like guys like you that started rowing and things changed later on. They became like nerds, like rowing was like a bunch of nerds <laughs> later on in the years, but like it, it wasn't a thing. Like rowing wasn't popular in 1996 for high school rowing. Um, but you obviously found success. Like what did you find what were the guys like that you rode with at Long Beach? Is because is what I'm getting at. Like, what were they like? Were you were you a different breed? Were you kind of an outcast? How did you relate to those guys? Well, yeah. So my my first coach was this guy Ken Perry, who is like a, a kind of a national team, but sort of trying to crack it into training. And he was a great guy, great coach. I started rowing at Starboard. Man, I remember my first day. I was like, what the hell? Like they're calling Starboard Port. I was like, what is going on? Like you know, I was still kind of out of it for so long i i was sculling a lot too which actually i think helped familiarize myself with rowing a bit not enough but i started sweep i did sculling um and then my next coach was pete vescovi uh, the vescovis are kind of uh, a little bit bigger like you know name because he was trying to crack it this is peter uh was trying to crack it in the in the lightweight um events with this guy scott charette these are your long beach guys that were trying to train for the national team and make it uh, to the, uh, to the Olympics, you know? So, and, and they made it fun, you know, they, but I have to tell you, and this is important for people watching out there, maybe for kids or whatever, they made it fun. And that was, that was the thing I was searching for. Like these coaches, especially Pete Vescovi, uh, shout out to him. I mean, this guy, he cracked jokes. He, you know, he made it fun, you know, and, and, and I just had a great time with the guys, the guys came from all walks. I mean, mostly some soccer guys, um, some swimmers, you know, the typical, uh, I was definitely the bigger kid. Um, well, but, how, let's, so, so tell the audience, man, what are your, what are your numbers? Like how tall are you? How much do you weigh? Well, yeah. So in high school, I mean, I kind of grew up, but I, I was six, three, six, three, I was still, you know, 6'3", 190 um, uh, in high school. And then, uh, you know, college, I think national team, when I was on the national team, I was 6'3", 205. You know, those were my, you know, not not huge. I would say average, you know, maybe even on the smaller side now because all the guys are giants, but. So, yeah. I mean, those are those are pretty big stats. You know, like I didn't, I went to high school and, and we were we were some of the bigger guys and I'm 6'3", I was 185, 180. And then I think the biggest guy in our boat was uh, 6'5", 210. Like that was the biggest guy and everybody else was pretty small. So, all right. So just to keep things rolling here, you graduated from high school in what, 97? Yeah. And then now you stayed, you went and we talked about this with Wallen. So the commish, lead commish of PRL, you row with this guy. So this is, I love the, I love the difference. Like Philadelphia guy, St. Louis <laughs> yeah. Meeting Jack Nunn of Long Beach. So you you decided to go to Cal, right? So you stayed local. What was the decision uh, to stay there and row for Cal? Like what, what was going through your head at the time? Oh man. Uh, so that's there's a lot of stories here, but I'll try and I'll try and get, you know, be concise and be be organized with it. So I applied to like 14 different schools. My dad was like, you're applying everywhere because you have no idea where you're going. I'm like, yeah, that's true. And I just applied every because I I didn't know where I could get in. My grades were average, you know. And and my dad went to Cornell, you know. Cornell, he's freaking Hall of Fame at Cornell. He is, he, his boat is in the foyer of the boathouse. Like when you walk in, it's like John Nunn, you know. Like so, it's like, you know, my dad's like, well, you could go to go to Cornell, 
but it's it, but then he'd tell me all these freezing tundra stories and growing yeah. up like Canada, like freezing your butt off. I'm like, I don't want to freeze. Um, and then and then uh, I got a my dad knew everybody. So my dad was like, uh, what 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 school do you want to go to uh, here? I got Roop on the line. I got we got Gladstone going here, uh, but he's a Brown, but he's a uh, Cal now. We got, you know, all these coaches, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Washington, I was talking to. Um, and so anyway, so uh, basically I have my choice of where to go. I got a call from Brown University one morning and they're like, uh, so Jack, we hear you want to row for Brown. I'm like, yeah, I guess. And they're like, the guy's like, uh, I think it was, he's like, uh, yeah, well, uh, you're in. Um, so just let us know if you want to go. And I'm like, what the, so my mistake going the next day to, to practice was like, I got into Brown university and all the guys were like, you mother, you know, cause my, they all knew my dad and they're like, you just got in cause your dad. No, I had good scores. Like I had uh, a 632 K. I mean, uh, junior national team cut off times. I was doing well, uh, rowing well. Um, you know, I had, and I had decent grades and a decent SAT. So my decision to stay um, in California was really number one was Gladstone. So Gladstone came from Brown uh, the year prior, I think in 96 or 95, he came from Brown, had a successful career with Zeno and all these guys that he coached. Uh, they had a good run of national championships of future Olympians. And, um, and then I, came, I went up to a recruiting uh, meeting uh or just like meet and greet and my dad uh my dad rode against gladstone when my dad was at cornell gladstone was at syracuse wow. so he had they were just talking in that room at the kai bright boathouse for like an hour i was just there just silent you know and just and, and then gladstone turns to me he's like so it seems like you know you got things in order would you like to come here and i go yeah i'd I like to come to cal a gladstone and you know, Gladstone's super, I mean, he was super, his voice, you know, the yeah. way he talked, very articulate, he's very intimidating, you know, and so, but serious, but I was like, yes, I, I'd like to come. He's like, well, okay, well, you're in, uh, welcome to Cal. And, <laughs> and I was like, okay, you know, and, uh, but anyways, I want to tell you a really funny story uh, that I've told many times, but it's, it's so good. You, you got to hear it. Um, so I went on that recruiting trip the same trip I went to Stanford and those are the only two schools I talked to. Um, and, uh, as far as like meeting now, my grandfather, it gets more interesting. My grandfather played in two Rose bowls at Stanford in the thirties. Yeah. Six, three two twenty. uh, played two Rose bowls in the thirties. My grandfather was a vow boy. He's etched in stone at Stanford. A vow boy is very famous, especially it, uh, USC people hate it because the vow boy, they, they were like a club and they vowed they never lose to USC in football. They're famous, like uh, crazy. So anyway, so he's etched in stone there. My grandfather was like, um, listen, you know, if you want to go to Stanford, you know, you got your way in there and, you know, it just so you know, we have connections. I go, okay, well, Stanford at the time had a crap rowing team. So I was yeah. like, I'll go and meet them. My dad was like, let's go and meet them. Make your grandfather happy. This is my mom's dad. Actually, I'm named after him, Jack. Um, and so I went up to Stanford for our first meeting and we show up and um, I forget the coach's name at the time, but Anyway, my dad and I were there and we waited in the uh, lobby and we waited for half an hour and then we waited for an hour and the person came up to us and was like, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. He's not going to be able to make it today uh, for your meeting. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he thought that the meeting was some other time and, uh, you know, he's mistaken if you want to come back. And my dad, my dad never gets upset. He's super humble. He's like, never talks about all this stuff for like then like we're walking back to the car we're driving over to, to berkeley the whole time he was like no one does this to me no one no one no one this is a olympia olympic medalist olympic coach do they know who that i am you know who i am i am john i'm like oh my god and i look at him i'm like what the hell you know and i'm freaked out of my dad like my dad's just getting fired up and he goes and then he turns to me and he goes 
you're not going here. I don't care if you get in, you're not going, you know, no one does this to me. I'm like, what about me? This is my recruiting trip. You know? <laughs> so, uh, so he was totally offended. Now I bring this story up and he's like, I, I didn't say that. I didn't, I didn't do that. I'm like, yes, you did. I, I was there. Yes, you did. You totally did. So I was shocked. Like, about that that was just a really funny story i got an apology letter from stanford wow which I posted in my room because i thought that was awesome you know like because stanford cal we have a huge robbery even though they sucked when we were there um so now, jack, jack you th this is this is funny i it's very rare you find someone who just says yeah brown you're in cal you're in stanford <laughs> you're definitely in but go fuck yourself we're not gonna have you here uh, so you were you were at Cal at an era where it was probably the most winning time in Cal history, right? You guys were the fastest group of men in the country. Arguably, could have could have done well at the Olympics, right? With your with your group of guys, um, everyone watching, everyone listening, they know who Steve Gladstone is. Just in 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 so many words, what was that atmosphere like at Cal around the fast being around the fastest men in the country? Like, what was that experience like for you? Can you think about like a couple words that expresses that? Uh, nerve wracking, uh, cutthroat. Um, you you just feel it. Uh, I I don't know how to. You, I don't want to say like you had to be there, but like. You, you can't replicate that now. Um, even during races, when I show up, I still get those nerves, you know, those nerves, like, okay, maybe for people watching out there, those nerves before you do a 2k or that nerves before you do a race, that was every day, every, oh God, thing, every day. day. Now, how, how well did you do? So what, what, you know, we talked to Wallen about this and I, and, and I've talked about this, this crew that you guys had at nauseum. I mean, you put five beers in Wallen and he will not shut up about Cal, right? Now there's yeah. this other guy that I know, Davis Bales, he rode for, he's a Brazilian. He rode for Cal years ago, like back in the early, like late eighties, right? Um, I guess like what boat were you in? What boats were you in? And how successful were you, were you at the IRA in those boats? Yeah, so there's there's some confusion. There's some like people. Some people get riled up and stuff like that. So just to put in context, though, I want people to know when I was at Cal, and this is no joke. There was twelve, count them, twelve Olympians. I counted them, and I went through the lineup. Twelve Olympians during my tenure on the varsity. So from sophomore year to senior year, at any given moment. There were 12 Olympians uh, from various countries that were competing for spots, um, you know, throughout that time. Now, in 2000, it was a weird year because some guys took off. So maybe a little less. Right. Um, and then but then senior year, it, got, it went back. So it was like floating around eight. I would say, yeah, like eight to 12 Olympians. Plus, we had three guys from the. Irish national team, uh, John Hooley, uh, Paul O'Sullivan, and uh, this guy, Porak Husi, who actually won the freaking gold medal in the single at the Nations Cup in 2001 and beat Nito Simonson. And he wasn't even boated. He didn't even make a freaking boat at Cal and he won the single at, in 2000. Yeah. Yeah, that guy. So it's like, you know, there's, there's all these stories that hover around. Now we had the Serbians, um so you, you know so, what, so 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 i mean like you said it can't be replicated right the cow yeah. that era so were you like were you in the 3d the 2v like what where did you so, see yeah so my freshman year um you know i knew i just knew it was i had a feeling i was like if i don't make this this freshman boat um i'm screwed like right off the bat and um my dad said the same thing you know we we talked every day my dad went through kind of similar situations at Cornell. So my dad and I would talk, he goes, you know, you have to do anything you can possibly to make that freshman boat. So, um, so I was the last guy to make it. I was also the youngest guy. I, I was 17 when I graduated high school. So, um, you know, that's, they tried to hold me back when I was younger and anyway, they didn't. And then I was, it's a disadvantage, you know, when you're that young, uh, Jake Wetzel at the time was in our freshman boat, he was 21. Uh, Nito was 20, I think, uh, Nito Simonson. 
And so I was 17, just turned 18, youngest guy, kind of maturing. Anyways, it came down to a 2K test. Craig, I'm Arcanian, uh, bless his heart, was my, uh, was my freshman coach. Um, a lot of you guys know him as the Stanford head coach, uh, now recently retired and the whole program's done. But um, Craig Emmercanian was my freshman coach. And he came to me and said, hey, if you want to be in this boat, you got to pull a, a 615, uh, 2K. That's it. Like you're, you pull a 615 and you're in. And granted, I come from like a 630 in high school to a 622. And then I had to drop seven seconds in a few weeks. And uh, my dad came up, put the pressure on, lights were on. My buddies at the start, at, at, the, at the ERG test, my buddy turns to me right before he goes, hey, does it make you nervous your dad's here? I'm like, you mother, yeah, of course it does. But anyways, I ripped the 615, made the boat, got in. I was the last guy to make it. Now we went on that boat. We went on to go undefeated. We were the first uh, undefeated uh, freshman boat in 100 years at Cal. Uh, that set the tone for the next, you know, three years. Jake Wetzel was in our boat, uh, Nito Simonson, Luke Walton, um, and many others that were, uh, Eric Ture, uh, uh, Franco or Coxon. So moving down the line, my sophomore year, 1999 was probably one of the, the hardest years. Uh, and I was in the JV and that year though, we went to Henley that summer. And we had uh, two guys, I think, or one guy from the varsity. One guy couldn't go. Eric Teray couldn't go. So we had one guy from the varsity. And Gladstone was like, you know what? We were neck and neck with our JV and, and varsity that year. We were only losing to the varsity by a second or two in practice. Wow. And I say that with complete confidence. That is the truth. So we basically had two varsity votes. Um, on the times, if you look that year, we won that varsity IRA and we set that course record. I think it held for, I don't know, for that time on the JV, I think it held for a number of years. Anyways, that boat, we were super fast. Um, and we went to Henley and Gladstone was like, you know what? I'm not putting you guys in the temple. I'm not putting you guys in the, in the boat, in the, in the, the race you should be in. I'm going to put you guys in the ladies plate, the varsity event. Wow. We went and we represented. And at that point, I want to correct people out there because there's a lot of people that are like, yeah, Jack never made the varsity. Well, at that point in verbatim from Gladstone, he goes, you guys are the varsity. You're the varsity boat. I don't care what anyone says. And he got really passionate about it because his varsity couldn't go. We went and went uh, compete at the ladies plate. That's a varsity boat event. Mm -hmm. And we made it to the finals. We beat Knotts, the British lightweight national team who had not, never been beaten in like eight years. They beat Zeno's boat from Brown. This is the lightweight uh, British national team. We beat them. We beat some German boat with some Olympic gold medalists in there. Uh, and we faced Cambridge, Oxford, Brooks in the final. And we lost them. We had a guy who had chicken pox in our boat. Yeah. Um, and he raced and he was sick as a dog. That was wow. his last. That was his last race. Uh, Rob Wolfel was in our boat. He had chicken pox and he raced. We didn't have a spare. So we had to race with him. And um, and we lost. We made it to the final. And we had a, a great time. And so that was my varsity debut. And that was, that was it. So then I came back my junior year. Uh, coach, <laughs> true story. I posted this picture on my Instagram. And there's a picture of me from Henley in five seat and I look like a freaking bear. My veins are popping out of my head. I'm like going crazy. Gladstone saw the picture. It was like in rowing news or whatever. And we, people were like, damn, Jack, you're freaking huge. You know, like people make comments like junior year as the junior starting up. I've been a starboard my whole life. And coach saw that picture at Gladstone and he goes, God, you, God damn it, Jack. You know, he just didn't like the way I was rowing and he'd always comment, I moved boats, but he just didn't like the way I was moving them or didn't like the, the look I was rowing. And he goes, oh God, God damn it, you're a port. You're a port from now on. I'm gonna change the way you row. I'm gonna change your style. And I just go like this, I'm like, uh, and all the guys, I remember I think Wallen was there, Magnus was there and they're like, you're screwed you know like all the olympians were there they're like oh what just happened oh jet oh jack oh no you know 
and I that was the hardest year of my life. I had to switch to port side my junior year. Wow. And yeah. uh, they like I have pictures from that year, like on uh, like the road or whatever the picture company is. And um, I just look awkward. Like I'm like not yeah. comfortable, you know, like totally bad. And so anyway, so I wrote junior year. We had a rough year that year. Uh, it was 2000. We lost a lot of our Olympians to to Sydney. Uh, that was where uh, Seb Bea won a silver medal in the pair. Uh, he was, and then uh, we had a few other guys that represented from Serbia. Uh, Nito was at, uh, for Norway. Jake, I think, went for U.S. Um, so and then junior year, you switched sides. Were you still in the 2V or did, did you like move down even further because of the switch? No, I, well, yeah, sort of, but I was in the 2V, but then we lost a lot of Olympians. So then I had a shot at making um, uh, the 1V. So I was still going fast. And I missed that by, by like a half a boat length. I seat raced this guy and he beat me and that was it. So I ended up in the in the 2V, JV, uh, and then we won pack 10s. So I kept my like letter status. Yeah. Um, but, but that was a rough year. Um, that was a really backbreaking, just horrible year. Uh, sucked a lot of life out of me just because it's so stressful. You imagine the rowers out there. Uh, and my dad went through the same thing. My dad's coach uh, was uh, Harry Sanford and yep. very famous coach. And um, Sanford didn't like the way my dad rode. So he switched his side and my dad. So it's like almost like my dad and I talked a lot about this and every day and he was really there for me and had that guidance, but it was like really tough. I mean, I almost quit that year. Um, and, but I, I maintained, I, I In your junior, senior year, you talk about the struggle of surviving, right? The struggle of staying with the team. Clearly, a lot changed with you. You know, you had Gladstone switching you sides. Every rower listening knows how hard that is and miserable that is. Um, I went through a change my sophomore year. I hated rowing. And the reason I stayed with it was because of an ego. Like, I just said, I'm not going to let this coach beat me. I had a really hard time with my coach. Jack, what, what kept you going in that high intensity environment, switching sides and being in the three, three V like, why did you keep rowing in those times? I think the, not to be, you know, cheesy or, you know, play that the same thing, but I think the guys, uh, I wanted to be a part of the group. Um, the, the people involved were just phenomenal. Um, they were very supportive, even though it was cutthroat, we were way acted like a team. It was pride. Um, I didn't want to quit. My dad didn't quit. Um, you know, not to keep bringing it up, but, you know, I had that connection. I was growing really close with my father. I wasn't that close growing up with him as much as I, then when I started rowing, I liked it. So we had that, you know, bonding, that connection. I was like, you know, I can do this, you know, is that kind of like my dad giving me that advice, like keep, keep pushing, keep pushing Gladstone, you know, we talked, um, he was very, you know, as much as he could be, he goes, listen, you just, he, he knew when I was going through hard things, he pulled me aside. He's like, you can do this. You can keep going. Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of pride just to keep pushing forward. And one thing I want to touch on, uh, which is a huge deal and many people don't know. And the rumor is my going through my senior year is that uh, people afterwards shortly now, a little bit i get it but they're like oh we heard rumors that there was uh, olympians in the jv and i go rumors no that's true ivan smojek uh from serbia uh that's i believe a two-time olympian he was in the jv with me kevin white who was an olympian from canada he was in the jv with me we raced with with olympians in the jv that is a fact so i want people out there to know how freaking hard it was how, when does that ever happen how can that happen? It's because we had just too much talent. Uh, our, again, on the, on the senior year, Mike Wallen can attest to this. Well, he was in my boat, you know, my senior year. And we had Ivan and those guys in our boat. So um, not to put the Olympians on the spot that were in the JV. They don't like it when I say that. But to, because it pumps me up and it pumps them down. 
<laughs> but it's not. It's 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 just that to show you how how competitive it was. It truly was. And have you ever what, seen that before? So have you ever seen in the history uh, in the last twenty years? Have you ever seen a team with that much fire? No, no. I mean, the closest maybe a Washington team. I know there's been some Cal teams, but not like ours. I'm sorry, but you know Scott Franson is now the coach at. Uh, at Cal and he can attest to it. He was there. He was a little young, two years younger, but he saw it. He saw everything go down. Um, he was, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm really interested. In, I was, I wanted to, I want to get off this subject, but I, I'm, it's actually, I'm too interested in this because I don't think there's enough credit that goes towards the guys that rode with Cal in these four or five years. Do you, do you, is it, is it just Steve Gladstone is so good at getting that talent or is it just the universe coming together to get lucky? Cause it's, if it's never been done before, how the hell did that happen for those four years? It was the universe. You know, I, I have to give credit. I do. Uh, yeah, Gladstone, but I have to. And I know Gladstone would agree with me if he was watching this. Craig Emmerkanian. Craig Emmerkanian was the oracle in getting like the talent aura. I don't know. That year, our freshman year, we got like 40 guys. We had a guy who's seven feet tall from washington that played basketball that we named big john you know he quit six months in but we had all this talent from just random like crazy uh we got this guy jake wetzel from the u or from the canadian uh national cycling team that's coming down that's just started rowing we got nito from norway that was rowing at marin you know like randomly we had halfway through our year our Craig was going nuts. He's like, we're not fast enough. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we're fast enough. He recruited a guy, uh, Lachlan Harris from Sydney rowing club halfway through the year to be Whoa. our stroke. Cause he's like, I don't think JP Seklich is fast enough. And JP stroke the eight for SI that won the national championship prior that year. And he was like, no, he's not fast enough. He's kind of weaker. I'm like, we all felt bad for JP. Now, JP is now a head coach at, at Santa Barbara. I love that guy. Amazing. But he got ousted from his seat by some guy that came in for Sydney Rowing Club just because, I don't know. But we were we were a little bit faster. But just that mentality of, like, it just was nuts. It was, yeah, the universe coming together. And then that bow set the tone. Um, if you watch All for One, not to be, like, you know, going through the memories here, All for One, that movie that was made about Cal, it talks about that freshman year, our, our boat moving through the ranks. And, you know, Seb Bea was like a sophomore and he was like world champion 1999 and he was the U.S. guy. But then we got Sturde from, you know, Norway along with Nito and these guys just kept getting faster. So Gladstone, the Gladstone effect, these guys came over from their prospective Olympic teams. People like, well, that's kind of like, you know, there's that debate. Well, that's kind of cheating. That's whatever. I'm like, no. You know, it's strategy. It makes it harder, yeah, for U.S. guys. But Gladstone made us better as a whole. I mean, he then brought everyone. To, he brought those recruits together. He brought that that team meld. Imagine the 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 just the I don't know, just the intensity. Like walking into a room and you have like the world national teams in your in your boathouse and you. That's I remember saying like you guys had you had a six like for you to get the boat you had to go six fifteen and you were the slowest guy in that boat yeah right yeah like, I got and you know this because you train athletes you're around it a six fifteen even today in today's standards puts you in most varsity eights in the country like hands down it puts you in like if you're a good rower going six fifteen you're probably in the Cornell heavyweight eight you're probably in the Syracuse eight. You know, Northeastern, you're cracking. It's it's mind blowing that your freshman eight was. You're probably your boat average had to be what six oh eight, six oh seven for your boat yeah. average. We had a few guys who were like our stroke. Actually, the guy from Sydney wasn't. Uh, he was like six twenty four. We had a few guys who were six twenties. Jake was like six minutes uh, or below. I think Nito was six minutes below. Uh, and then I was six fifty. We had a, a yeah, I would say average like six ten. I, I think I came up with that um, kind of like 6'10", 6'12", average there. Yeah. And then you know, my senior year, I was like, yeah. like, we didn't do that many 2Ks. We did 10Ks. We did 6Ks. We did a 10987. We did all these other tests that were crazy and hard. Um, but I think my fastest 2K was like a 6.05 my senior year, which, you know, 
it's okay. But, and then when I got the national team, I was, I was breaking six, you know, of course, cause you have to, when you're in that, on the, on those teams, but, you know, college, you know, I was more proud of the, the moving the boats on the water. Um, but definitely there was a lot of emphasis on fast erg scores. And for those people out there that are like, Oh, erg scores or ergs don't float. I'm like, well, you know, power equals feet technique is inches. You got to have both, but you have to have power. You can't, you know, it's very rare. You come across a rower. Oh, you, said, you said something that I, I wanted to write down here. You said power equals speed, technique equals inches. Power equals feet. 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 Yeah. And technique is inches. That's a Gladstone quote. So uh, that's, yo, I, out of the 50 minutes I've had on you and you, that is an amazing, amazing quote. It gets people, most kids, and I say kids, like most high school kids that pay attention to our content. They don't know that you got to just crank that herd. They don't know. They think that it can you can get by in other areas. But Jack, I mean, the fact is, like, in order to be successful at our sport, you got to be able to pull that stick, man. You got to be able to crank that oar and crank that 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 chain. Power equals feet. Technique equals inches. I love that. Now, I want to I want to point something out, and this is really interesting about really great coaches. You said Craig Emarkanian was really the the architect behind getting you guys to the team, right? And it was the Gladstone effect that got you guys fast. So often in every sport, that's the situation, right? It's the person that behind the scenes is really the person that created the program. And I'm just thinking back to like NFL teams and and major league baseball teams. So many times it's the unspoken hero behind the the scenes. And you're giving Craig the, the, the attention here, right? That he is a major factor. Yeah, I'm giving Craig, you know, a lot. And I, and I think Gladstone, again, could agree with that. You know, there's there was some talk that Gladstone, when Craig had the job offer to Stanford and he was there for 20 years and did really well at that program, you know, I absolutely love Craig. I mean, he was uh, the guy that set the tone, and I think a lot of guys can agree, uh, for the rest of their lives. And then Gladstone just added on to that. You know, he brought everything together. So they worked so well. And I, I remember when Craig got the job opportunity, Gladstone kind of was like, listen, please stay, you know, please stay with me. And Greg was like, you know, I got to go. I got to, I got to make this for my own, you know? And, um, and, you know, I don't want to say the program wasn't the same under, under, um, under Jeff Bond, but it was different because um, Jeff Bond then came in and coached the freshman for a while. And Jeff, Jeff was a pivotal uh, coaching, um, you know, again, he was assistant coach to Craig and he helped me as well. I love Jeff as well. He came to Henley with us, Gladstone couldn't go. Um, and Jeff Bond was, a, again, a pivotal mark in that. So we just had a lot of great coaches and energy there. Um, we had this guy, Wolf, uh, Thiel, that was a, a Long Beach state guy that came in and helped Craig as well. Shout out to Wolf. He's a Long Beach state rower that went to Cal, but yeah, so it's just like all these people coming together and making this, this unit and this unstoppable unit. And then for years to come, it lasted, you know, for a long time until Craig le- or until, uh, Gladstone left essentially and went back to, uh, or went to Yale. Um, but yeah, so, you know, Craig can't say enough about him. And I think if you talk to any of the guys in our group, Nito or Jake and, and all these guys, they'll say the same thing. You know, he made it, he made it fun and he made it last. And then Gladstone brought it together, made it serious and made it, um, you know, made it work all together and, you know, and then made us faster. Jack, this is, uh, we, we have not spoken, Rower's Choice, we've not spoken to a lot of people that rode at the caliber that you rode with at college. And I want, I want those folks that, that went through it to give advice to the younger athletes. So is there, what advice do you have for the high school athletes that are searching for a college experience that want to take it to the next level. What advice do you have for them, given all of your experience at Cal, at Long Beach? Like, what what would you tell everybody right now if you had a podium? Uh, you know, 
be proactive. Uh, and that's a loose word to say, but be proactive meaning go out there and, and see what, where you want to be. Location is a lot. Um, now I don't, I know you don't get to always choose where you want to be. For me, I was lucky. I got to stay in California. Gladstone's there. Boom. Timing is great. Now my dad wanted me to go to Cornell and Brown. Those are freezing cold places. I'm a California guy, kind of soft. I kind of can't deal with that. So, you know, location, but also where that your best coaches are, where your best opportunities are. I would say again, um, proactive, uh, applying to 10 different schools. Now, maybe you don't have the, that that's cost a lot of money for each application. I know, but definitely make more opportunity. Don't put your eggs in just one basket, apply everywhere. Um, you know, Bob Ernst actually, uh, Washington, uh, reached out to me when I was applying and I filled out the wrong application. <laughs> and he's, he's like, dude, uh, you didn't get in. Uh, you need to fill out the athlete application. You want to go? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm going to Berkeley. He's like, oh. And I'm like, I'm already committed. He's like, oh. He goes, good luck there. And I'm like, I sure will have good luck. You know, <laughs> we beat them. Uh, we beat Washington 13 times when I was a cow. Oh, my God. Uh, I personally did. So I have 13 Washington shirts. I can show you guys later. But um, anyway, yeah. So. Uh, for all you you dev rowers out there listening, um, no, I mean I I I have teammates that are you dev uh, national team guys. I respect them; they're great guys. Uh, the coach as well, currently. But yeah, no, just I like this being proactive and applying, right? Like yeah. I I think a lot of youth these days are afraid of that. They're afraid of applying and being rejected. Yeah, they just don't know, and and they don't know their and their parent. I mean, no offense to the parents, but the parents are more like. I don't know, wherever they want to go. And I'm like, no, the parents need to be proactive too. And for you kids out there, how do you, how do you do that? Well, ask your parents, say, what do you think? Ask for their advice. I know it's hard. You know, you don't want to maybe talk to your parents, but ask for their advice. If they don't have anything, go to your advisor, mm -hmm. ask your advisor at your high school. There was always somebody get more information. What do you think I should do? What are my best chances? Advisors. Uh, when I was at Cal, uh, my freshman year, I was in my, uh, my advisors or my, you know, the person they give you the, what are they, is the advisor, right? They, they give you, and they, I was in there every day and I was like, what kind of classes can I take? What are my best chances? What kind of major should I go for? I'm looking into this. I was in there every single day, uh, getting, uh, advice on where to go, what to take you advisors or your, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Your teacher, you know, like when you go. Guidance counselor. Your guidance counselor. Your guidance counselor. Yeah, that's right. The counselors use them. They are there for a reason. And a lot of them don't get a lot of kids in there because they're not proactive and they, they're not going to go. They may say a few things and have a presentation. Oh, if you want to go to use them, though, that's what they're there for. And they're there to help. Um and this is what this is. I, I just don't see enough of that at all these days. And when I talk to kids, I'm like, well, what do your parents say? Oh, they say whatever. I mean, if I'm like do, my eyes, I get fired up because I'm like, no. And I talk to the parents. I'm like, you guys need to be a little more because that's the way my dad was. Hey, not not go. You need to do this. Have you thought of this? Have you mm -hmm. thought of, you know, it's a it's a more unique way. You got to be original in the way you're coming across you know and with these kids these days for your parents listening you know don't say you need to do this say have you thought about this use be be different in the way you ask questions or the way you kind of get kids to think because my dad was like that it's pretty and it's it's very effective so keep changing things and if something works then use that you know Love my that. dad driving by a a, a um refinery or um, we drive by on the way for baseball uh, practice, uh, we drive by this um, sewage factory and it would smell every day. And he, and he go, if you don't get good grades, you're gonna be working over there. <laughs> and there's three jobs. There's, there's a sniffer and there's a stirrer and there's a stirrer. And what, which one, which job do you want? I go, oh, come on, I, we laugh. He goes, I'm serious, you know? If you don't get a good job, you're gonna be working at the, uh, the refinery over there or the the poop factory you called it you know i love it 
Jack, you know, something something dawned on me, and I and I and I haven't done a good enough job asking this to other former college rowers, especially guys that race at the top level. But um, this is my last question: um, What do you think the future of the IRA looks like? Because right now, for the last twenty goddamn years, it's been the same teams over and over and over again, and and you know who they are, right? You know who they are. It's it's predictable who's going to be in the final. The grand final. What's the future of the IRA look like in your mind, in your vision for the future? Gosh, you know, I'm trying to channel, um, you know, every the world of rowing, right? And the way the Europeans are, you know, the way the rest of the world's working. Um, there needs to be more races. Um, you know, there can't. Okay, I know it's tradition or whatever to do like four or five. You have a head race, whatever. There just needs to be more racing, more formal racing i think the kids can agree with that i mean i think a lot of you know just to get better experience um now maybe different stages of racing maybe you have like what football has and you have like you know your fiesta bowl or your you know you have different uh championships around each area of the united states now I know logistically this takes a lot more to do but i think the ira could be like a league of its own sort of, and then you have different, you know, other championships. I know we already do that, but I'm saying broaden that, you know, run with that, do more with, with that and have, uh, you know, different championships around and then maybe one or two boats from those championships goes to, which I think they already do, but I'm just saying more, more of that, you know, more racing, um, more events, uh, more, um, involvement somehow uh more sculling you know to channel my dad's uh, energy and also just the world of rowing we need to get more sculling on the map um now with this pandemic a lot of people are sculling more whatever but we need to get more of that um sculling is an integral part it's, it makes you better we can all agree scholars are better rowers um you know no offense to sweep but it's, you have two oars. i mean it's more technical you know it's you're if you skull, you'll become a better rower. Uh, you'll become stronger too. And so we need more sculling in the United States. However, to make that happen, um, more small boats, um, more races. I know this is really general, but. No, no. I, oh, it, yeah. Everything you're saying is the, is, is the truth. I mean, we, we, we watch it and I have conversations with coaches all the time and, and the, the future of IRA is in question. I mean, I wrote for GW and we were always the third level final and it's the program is dead. The program is gone. And I think that we need to get away from the same four or five teams or just put them somewhere else, right? Cause it's the same teams over and over again. And, and the future of rowing needs to change or, you know, the future of, of championships of racing of, of like spectators has to change or we'll lose our sport period. So that is yeah. it. Uh, Jack, that is uh, it for episode one, part one of uh, of our journey through your life, because we have a lot more to talk about. Now, everyone tuning in here, this is Rower's Choice, episode four, season three, part one. Part two is going to be up next week with Jack Dunn. Thanks for listening and watching.